May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 and 4 through 7. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Our second reading is from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
of his pasture. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We are the children of God. We are the children of back in the Methodist Church in Westlake. Um, As I begin, I want to thank uh, Walt and Rachel especially for sharing the pulpit. A lot of you realize that sometimes clergy get territorial around their pulpit. And I'm just telling you, it's very graceful that he's allowed so many uh, clergy to come in and also to defer to the 50th anniversary committee. So I hope you all appreciate that. I'm very grateful to him and to Rachel for doing that. So thank you. And also thankful to the 50th anniversary committee. I, I think my, most of my contact's been with, uh, uh, we used to call her uh, Your Highness. We call her Jean Severance. Uh, if, if anybody here has any questions of who was running this place, let me put that aside. Uh, but a special thanks to Jean and anybody else that is here on the fifth, that was in the 50th anniversary committee. Thank you very much. When I was thinking of coming here this morning, I was reminded of the process of how I got to Westlake Village. And I have to warn you that I'm really not a preacher. Uh, Lee and John usually let me preach the Sunday after Easter and the Sunday after Christmas. (laughs) Right? Okay. Quite a few people know that. And so uh, you'll see there's a reason. And if things get old and uh, tiring while I'm talking, Walt invited y'all to read the stewardship pledge. So you can think about your next donation. So it's going to be up to you. But I was thinking about how uh, coming here came to be. I I used to work at the Methodist Church in Simi. I was a commuting youth pastor while I was finishing up my degree at Claremont. And Frank Whitman told Lee Truman about me. And Lee had said, gosh, we need a young uh, minister who will work for almost nothing, who isn't afraid of a big task and has lots of ability to make things out of nothing. Right? So they called me. Uh, They called me for an interview, and I showed up at Joan and Dale Donaldson's house. 
right? Yeah, no, it wasn't jail. It was Joan, Joan and Dale Donaldson's house. And I, I, if I miss some things, some facts here, some of the people that were here 41 years ago can chip in. But I remember the Donaldsons were there. I remember the Moravex. Were you all there? I think you were there. I think the Singers were there. I think the Andersons were there and both of the Trumans. And they were going to vet me out and see if, again, I would work for very low money, no resources, and a lot of great ideas. <laughs> so they offered me the job. And I came um, in the, at the end of May and 1st of June in 1978. I walked in the door, burst in the door here, expecting big hugs. And Gene Severance looks up at me and says, hi, can I help you? <laughs> And I said, well, I'm Al Luddington. And she said, okay. She had no idea who I was and why I was walking in the front door. She later uh, found out that I was going to work with her, uh, or work for her, um, and that I was going to join the staff. So she says, excuse me, let me go back a minute. She grabbed Lee. Uh, Lee came out, introduced us, and we had to find an apartment for me to move into that day. So we moved in uh, to the Oakmart Apartments and began our ministry. Now, if you didn't know, this was the Wild West during that time. Westlake was just evolving. There, Westlake Boulevard ended right up at the top of, uh, where, uh, uh, where was it? It didn't go up to Canaan, maybe. It, it didn't go across. A lot of the streets weren't complete. The shopping centers, a lot of the stuff across the street didn't exist. So it was, it was really a, quite a neat thing. I came, and I had to learn how uh, Lee and the staff worked at that time. So one of the first things Lee wanted me to do, he found out that there were special at Disneyland for kids to get in for $35. He thought this would be a great idea. Let's take kids to Disneyland. Okay. I think it was August. So I put out the news that we were going to take kids to Disneyland. Three parents signed up to go with us, and 60 kids signed up. <laughs> the outgrowth of that was Lee ran out and bought a bus. I think he went down to Tor Torrance. He bought a school bus. He sent me over to DMV to get a license so I could drive it. And with the three adults, we took 60 kids to Disneyland by Friday. It was the Wild West. We were trying to, I was just trying to figure out how to keep up with Lee's ideas and all the administration things that would need to be done. My other real favorite story was, Lee says, Al, we're going to have a nativity scene. Fine. No problem. Let's have a nativity scene. And we'll do, right? Nancy's already laughing. She knows this story. We says, he says, I need young people to sign up and do a nativity scene. I said, great. Now, remember, Westlake was a small town 41 years ago. There weren't a lot of people. There weren't lights up everywhere and Christmas lights. People weren't decorating. And so he said, we'll have a nativity scene out front. So we built a nativity scene out of wood, and we had this neat manger and everything. The kids were all dressed up. Do you remember this? A truck pulls up. And I go, okay, why do we need a truck? And out come sheep and goats and a pig and a donkey, right? Lee brought all these live animals for our nativity scene. It was a pretty fun experience, except there were waste materials around. My teenagers were not really into how this was working. He even tried to get somebody to bring a live baby, right? It was true. Pretty soon, it didn't take long for me to 
figure out how this was going to work. And it was just good enough if we could keep up with things. That was the Methodist church in 78 and 79. Now, a couple really neat things started to happen. We knew that there were so many young families in this community, and we wanted to say, how in the world could we minister to these young families with young children? What could we do to reach out and say, gosh, let, let's do something special here? A committee was formed with Nancy Moravec and Esther Harrison and myself. Later, we added Mary, Ann, Mary Jane Weaver. We used sometimes Sharon Anderson. And we put together this small committee and said, we want to change what's happening in youth ministry. We want to do two things. One, people remember how it feels to go to church. They don't remember a lot of what we say. It always bothered the senior ministers that the people remember the children's stories more than the minister's <laughs> message sometimes. <laughs> True? Uh, but we said, we want to remember how it feels to go to church, and we want to create this atmosphere that's exciting. The kids look forward to get up on Sunday morning, and they just want to put their clothes on and get here. And the second thing is, is we realized that Sunday school material had gotten really bland. It was really just retelling the same stories. It told Christmas and the nativity scene. It told Easter. It told resurrection stories. Maybe you heard a little bit about Isaiah uh, but, and Abraham and Moses, but they were the same stories. And Nancy and Esther and I said, you know, there's 4,000 years of history here, and we're missing it. We're missing so many great stories. So we started to write our own curriculum. It at the time seemed like renegade, but we wrote our own curriculum that was exciting, entrepreneurial, and gave such a broad-based uh, story. I'll give us some ideas. For example, we know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not sit down and write stories, Bible stories, right? We know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John never met Jesus. Mark wrote his gospel about 55 year A.D. Luke and John copied, or Matthew, Matthew and Luke, Matthew and John <laughs> copied, Matthew and Luke copied from Mark, and then John wrote his about 100 A.D. We know that. We also know that they didn't come in one transcript. They were pieces of paper, particle pieces of paper that were placed together and then formed a page and then a page and then a page. So we decided we would teach the building of the Bible to our kids. So they, we gave them, we took uh, crossword puzzle, or I mean jigsaw puzzles and painted them. And we wrote gospel stories on, out of the mark on the saw puzzle that broke the puzzles up and shook them in a box. Okay? So now we weren't just going to tell them, we were going to let them see how it happened. And so they came in in twos and started, and they would put together these Bible stories in that class. Great class. We had lots of kids join. We started with 30 kids in Sunday school, and within a year and a half, we had 200 kids in Sunday school. Some of the other cl classes, and I'm sure you're just reminiscing about these, Nance. Some of the other classes, we had uh, paper mache and the prophets. So we took balloons, blew up. We built paper mache masks to what we thought the prophets would look like. A lot of these kids had never heard, and they, they're fun words to say, like Habakkuk and Nahum and Zephaniah and Micah. And every time they came up with one, they would make a mask, and then they'd learn a Bible verse from that person, like Micah, my favorite one. 
was the, they would always write the last thing when the people of Israel said, Micah, what does God ask of us? And it was to seek mercy, to love justice, and walk humbly with your God. So they were learning about these prophets and having fun making these things. We had classes on uh, the, the one that didn't turn out too well, I have to pro tell you. Um, you'll remember this one. Uh, the kids, this is one they made on liturgical seasons. And they made each clergy robes with liturgical signs on it. And then they also made uh, towels for their home that they could use at different seasons of the church. So it wasn't just coming to church and seeing liturgical seasons. They would actually see them in their home. The one that didn't work too good was block printing um, and symbols of the church. We took these block tiles and we were carving symbols in the block so you could put it on ink and then make stamps on paper. It's a great idea. Two kids had to go to the hospital because the tools went into their hand. <laughs> Russ, I think you took the kids to the hospital, did you? Do you remember? <laughs> There's no liability now. <laughs> But the, the neat thing was happening, too, is we would write the curriculum. Actually, Nancy and Esther would get all theirs in on time, and they'd have to wait to me for the 11th hour to get mine in. And it drove Jean. And by the time we had Sally Friedel and Sue Winalda in the office, every Friday there was a push to make sure we had enough curriculum. The, but the couples were joining in. John and Donna Day joined in. Uh, Russ and Barbara were doing it. Uh, so many couples joined in with us because it was fun. And the congregation, the kids were growing. We ran out of room. Now, you have to remember at that time, this, this was a circular um, church. And during 9 to 10, the Lutherans were all in here. The Methodists, all we had was Alton Hall. So everybody started scrambling around. I think it was John and Carol Suey who insisted we get those partitions that we pulled across in Alton Hall just because we needed room. So we could make four rooms out of that instead of just have one. But we now had kids outside on tables uh, with crafts going and lessons going and the Lutherans coming out saying, wait a minute, you're having too much fun. Can't you see we're having church? And we said, right, that's what we're trying to do, have church and have fun. So it was quite an exciting thing. And then the next level of thing happened. We said the parents who used to just drop their kids off now started to mosey around. They were really interested in what their kids were doing. So again, with Nancy and Esther's guidance, we started doing adult education. We started saying, what do the adults want to learn? One of the first classes was on uh, why Christmas was in December. Now, we know that Christmas, that Jesus in Israel the time you paid taxes, when Mary and Joseph went to pay their taxes, was in June and July. That's when Jesus was born. So the, the class was about, let's look, and we read Paul Mayer's book, uh, The First Christmas. Why in the world do we have Christmas on December 25th instead of in January? So we then, from that class, rolled over and studied about Constantine and how Constantine changed so many things of Christian tradition, so it would blend with a Mediterranean mythical traditions, and they would overlay. Y'all probably know about Constantine had this vision. He saw the a big sun in the sky, and when he saw the sun, because the, the Romans were worshiping the sun god, and then he saw a big cross in the middle of it, and he then said the sun god and the son of god combined. So we had classes on this. We taught 
about the com- the, how did the scriptures come into being. There was a whole class on apocryphal writings. There's about two big volumes of books in, that were left out of the Bible. And so we had people who, we had a lot of scientists, if you remember, and a lot of research people who were really interested in this stuff. And pretty soon we had over 100 people in our adult classes, and we were busting at the seams. Now, this is before, I think, and again, some of the, I keep wanting to say old timers, and I'm really trying not to use that word. (laughs) Some of the prophets um, who were here early uh, started talking about new buildings, and we were outgrowing our seams, and that we were going to probably have to do something different. But it was an extremely exciting time. And then an amazing thing happened. And Nance, I do not remember how this happened. And when the, the United Methodist General Conference heard what we were doing. Now, the General Conference of the Methodist Church meets once every four years. It's the international uh, meeting of all the Methodists in the world. They heard about what's happening at Westlake Methodist Church. Now, I said to Walt, it could have been Alan Moore who was working on my professional project at Claremont. I had a friend at the Board of Ministry, in, uh, Sid Fowler, uh, Board of Ministry then at Nashville, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe somehow they found out about us. But they sent a photographer and a reporter out here. They filmed what was going on in our Sunday school classes, interviewed, I think, Nancy and Esther and Lee and I. and uh, I think, I don't know if Frank Matthews was here yet. But, and they went and presented, this small little church was presented as the up-and-coming model for religious education for the Methodist Church. And that was in 1980. Pretty cool. It was pretty cool. The other thing I want to say, um, other than education, we had a youth ministry here, and it was unbelievable, and yet I stumbled my way into it as it started. Uh, I first came here, I thought I should uh, have something to do with the teenagers and take them somewhere, and I think our youth group at that time had 12, 14, 15, 16 people, I don't remember exactly, but it was my bright idea to take them backpacking. Uh, right, Westlake kids backpacking. <laughs> I didn't know what I was thinking. So we loaded up the cars, took uh, Mark Donaldson, thank goodness, was on the trip, but we loaded up the cars, drove to the mountains, um, got out, and we hiked, and about half a mile into the trail, I think it was a 12-mile trail or something, do you remember? About h- halfway into the trail, the whining and complaining started. The backpacks were too heavy. I didn't have enough water. When we got there and started on load and put up our tents, uh, there were kids that brought curling irons. (laughs) They brought hair dryers. They had makeup. I had not calibrated for the Westlake Youth Group. The calibration worked. Our youth group at the time, folks... uh, we had a unique thing in that the Methodist and the Lutheran churches shared youth ministries. So um, our youth group was called the Covenant Youth Fellowship, not just MYF, Methodist Youth Fellowship. So we had a great time um, forming. We met at the pit. The pit had no furniture, had nothing uh, on the floor. It was cement. Marion Ward at the time was redoing the carpet in her house. You know, I was so surprised at how I could remember names. 
after 41 years. <laughs> I can't remember my own. But, but Mary Moore was getting rid of her carpet. Uh, I don't remember, Phil, if you weren't, who all joined in, but they decided we couldn't afford furniture in the pit, so we built those benches around the wall. I don't know if they're still there. And the movable blocks. And that was how we uh, funded that program. But the youth would meet down there, and our groups grew pretty rapidly. Everybody was inviting friends and telling people about it. Um, by probably a year, year and a half, we had almost 45 to 50 kids participating on a regular basis. I, I could tell you stories and stories and stories after youth of our youth ministry here. That probably the thing I take greatest pride in, they're still friends. They love each other. They... Um, several years ago, uh, invited Nancy and I to a reunion they had at their house, and there must have been 40 of them still associating with each other. They, they, they stayed a group, and it was a tight-knit group. Two things we did that were really of notoriety. One is we had this program called Mystery Ramble. We had to try to figure out, how do you keep seniors involved in your youth ministry? It's not easy, you know. It's easy when they're in ninth grade, but 11th and 12th graders have a lot of things going on. So we invented the mystery ramble. It was an idea that the seniors would get together, plan where we're going to go, and it's a secret in the whole group, and then pop it on the, the day that we take off. All the parents would know, but the kids would have no idea where we were going. The first one, I turned it over to the seniors. I think that was Alethea Anderson and the Nichols kids, Carol Nichols. I turned it over to them, and um, they went to Vancouver, Washington, or Vancouver, Columbia. No, British Columbia. Uh, it was way too large. I had no idea that they would get big. They got bigger. They had a mystery ramble to uh, camp out at Yellowstone Park. Whew. Did you go on that one? No. My person was first year, you weren't The, the, uh, those were great, and we kept the, the seniors kept involved in the program through that. Probably the most notoriety to this congregation, though, was um, I just, we were talking about the youth program people, the Fredericksers were involved, the Budges were involved, the Moravecs were involved, and we said we wanted to have something special as far as an outreach program during spring break, uh, work project. I contacted the conference office, and said, what's going on in the Methodist church really that would make an impact? And they told me of a program called the Appalachian Service Project. Great project, but I could not see busing 50 or 60 kids to Kentucky. Uh, it seemed like a long ways to go. So I said, have you ever thought of something in the Sierras? They said, yeah, that's a great idea. This church was responsible for bringing the Appalachian Service Project to the Sierra and became the Sierra Service Project that's still strong going and still part of the General Conference of the Methodist Church. So it was really cool. Our first one is Mariposa. Um, and we sort of cut our teeth on that one. Uh, we took one busload of kids who slept on the floor of the church. Our next two were up to Crescent City. Um, and that was a long trek way up above near Reading on the Oregon border. And uh, by then, we, our first one up there, we took about 30 kids. Our next one, we joined with Simi Valley, and we took about 55 to 60, I don't remember, but 55 or 60 kids up there to do all kinds of work with the Native Americans and the Native American culture. It was quite fascinating and ex really, really fun. 
So those are two great things that started all the way back in the church. A sidebar thing that I would say that I loved about being here was we were a really ecumenical community. Every time I came into church, there was a rabbi sitting in the office and there was a Lutheran pastor sitting in the office. Mm -hmm. And we would sit together and talk. We would share theological ideas. It was really cool. I think some of the members of the congregation remember coming in on Friday and rolling in the Torah. And we would roll in the Torah. There'd be uh, Seder services. Saturday morning, there'd be services. And then we'd roll them back out, come in with the altar. And Walt says, this is the same altar. So we grab that, put it on the horse, um, shoe. What do you call those? Sawhorses. I need an assistant now. <laughs> but you put them on the sawhorses, and it was really great in a really fun ecumenical time. Uh, we had a radio show in town with a rabbi. Elliot was very involved in feeding the homeless and social services. Lee had a newspaper article that was going across the country at times. It was a really exciting place to be a Methodist, but also to be a Christian and to be involved in a service-oriented population. I will also say, though, it wasn't always fun and it wasn't always easy. Some of the most difficult times where we had divorces go on in our congregation. We had um, issues of infidelity. We had people that had alcohol abuse issues and kids that started to have drug abuse issues. Some of my saddest days of my life were standing by Jerry's bed as he passed, by Bob Allen's bed. I used to take beers up to Bob Allen at midnight at Los Robles Hospital. They, they wouldn't let alcohol in during the day, but at night I could slip him some. He kept wanting me to hook him up on an IV. <laughs> And also, there was a time I had to hold John Motley's daughter, Katie, as she died at UCLA. It was a tough time, and yet it was a wonderful time. It wasn't a time where everything was roses, where people who walked in the door, they thought they got a free ticket to heaven. What were we thinking? We were thinking that love conquered all. What were we thinking? We thought if people came here and could feel the Spirit of God we really wouldn't have to talk about it a whole lot. What were we thinking? We thought that if people would join together, brothers and sisters, different races, different creeds, we could all be on the same page and love one another. And what were we thinking? We were thinking that if we started something special here, right here on the corner, that the Spirit of God would be breathed into everybody that walked in that door and they would be a better person. That's what we were thinking, and I think it was pretty close to cool. Love y'all.